Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our contemplation this morning is the Gospel lesson. Luke chapter 4, verses 20 through 32. We read again in Jesus' name. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to tell them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They all spoke well of him and were impressed by the words of grace that came from his mouth. And they kept saying, Isn't this Joseph's son? He told them, Certainly you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown everything we heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I tell you. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. But truly, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut for three years and six months, while a great famine came over all the land. Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow of Zarephath in Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was healed except Naaman the Syrian. All those who were in the synagogue were filled with rage when they heard these things. They got up and drove him out of the town. They led him to the brow of the hill on which the t their town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he passed through the middle of them and went on his way. He went down to Capernaum, a town of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were amazed by his teaching because his message had authority. So far the words of our text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have come into your house this morning to hear your word and to be strengthened in our faith. We pray then that you would speak to us through these words. Pour out your Spirit upon us and open our eyes so that we can more clearly see that Jesus is the Messiah. Open our ears so that we can hear his word and take it to heart. May none of us leave here unbelieving today, but firmly trusting that Jesus is the Savior from sin. Sanctify us through the truth then. Your word is truth. Amen. In Christ Jesus, dear fellow redeemed. I want to start this morning with a, a little mental exercise for you. So I, I want you to close your eyes. Yes, I really want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think of someone that you know does not believe. Not someone famous, someone you really know. What are their likes and dislikes? Firmly fix them in your mind. Now, how would you go about telling them about Jesus? 
What approach would you take? What things in their specific life could you use to tell them about their Savior, Jesus? Now, if that conversation went perfectly, if you handled it perfectly, what would happen? Now, it's that last question that I want you to keep in your mind. I want you to keep the person's name and that last question. If you handled the conversation perfectly, what would happen? What you were actually contemplating there was confronting unbelief. That very contemplation can be terrifying for us. When we truly want to confront unbelief and witness to someone, we can be so afraid about what to say. We can be terrified that we're going to mess it up. And probably worst of all, we're afraid that they're going to reject us along with Jesus. Confronting unbelief is terrifying. Jesus, in our text, went to Nazareth to confront unbelief. Confronted in those who he probably knew best. And many of them knew him well. Nazareth, Nazareth, after all, was his hometown. So let's take a look at this account then and see what we can learn from it with regards to confronting unbelief. We're told that Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath in Nazareth. And from our last reading, or our reading last week, we know that he opened up the scroll of Isaiah. And he read from the scroll of Isaiah. He read about how he had been anointed to preach good news. Then our text overlaps with last week, where it says he sat down and everyone was looking at him. And he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Why was Jesus rejected by the people? And vehemently rejected. We see here at the end of our reading that they took him to the brow of the hill. They were going to throw him off. They didn't reject, just reject what, they, what he said. Excuse me. They rejected it so vehemently that they wanted to kill him. Why? Why had they reacted that way? Why had they rejected Jesus so thoroughly? The answer is because he claimed to be the Savior. Jesus clearly presented them these words of Isaiah, and I'm going to read them precisely now for you. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Jesus pointed to those words as a sign that He was the Christ. That He was the one anointed to proclaim good news. It wasn't what He said. It was who He was claiming to be. In the verses before us this morning, we hear that they were amazed at His words of grace. They were amazed at how well Jesus spoke and presented the Scriptures. But what was the question that was hanging? Isn't this Joseph's son? Yes, they were amazed at how well he spoke. But they did not accept what he said. That question, is this not Joseph's son, is the question of unbelief. It is the question of hidden rejection. And so Jesus didn't back down. He kept confronting their unbelief. He said, you're going to say to me, physician, heal yourself. Do hear the things that we heard you did in Capernaum went on to say that a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. He kept going and confronting their unbelief. Not to drive them to rage, but to conquer their unbelief. But despite Jesus' efforts, they were filled with rage. They wanted to kill him. If this is a good sermon, will it make you angry? Well, that's going to depend, isn't it? It's going to depend on what you need to hear and how you react to what you need to hear. Some sermons are supposed to make you angry because you are holding on to your sin and you are holding on to unbelief. Sometimes we don't like what God's Word says. And it stirs up that unbelieving rage inside of us. Just think about the people that Jesus was talking to that day. They would be people just like you who gathered in God's house of the synagogue Sabbath after Sabbath and heard His Word time and time again. They would have even claimed to be children of God. And for outward appearances, we probably would have said they were. But what was dwelling in the synagogue that day? Unbelief. God's chosen people, the Israelites, were living in unbelief. And it certainly does beg the question, how many gather in the church today in unbelief? What parts of your heart 
are you shielding from God's Word? What parts of your life are you locking away from the world and certainly trying to deceive yourself that God doesn't see it? What parts of your life need to hear God's Word and to be brought into the life, light? In what ways are you still stuck in unbelief? God wants to confront that in you. God wants to draw every part of you into the light and life of His Word. And sometimes what you hear is going to make you angry. That's just too bad. God is the authority over us all. God is the one that made us and created us. God is the one that determines what is right and wrong. We don't. And He has clearly told us in, the, in the, His Word what right and wrong are. And so you should expect that sometimes a sermon is going to touch a part of you that makes you angry. Acknowledge it. But don't fester that anger. Because that anger will drive you away from God. That anger will have you take Jesus to the brow and throw Him off and be done with Him. And then you will lose all the benefits of His life, death, and resurrection. You have to be willing to confront the unbeliever inside of you so that you can cling to Jesus in faith. We're told that Jesus preached with authority. He clearly proclaimed God's word in its truth and purity. In Nazareth, they rejected him. But he left Nazareth and went down to Capernaum. And there the people were amazed. And they believed in him. When Jesus preached in Nazareth and in Capernaum, was there any difference in his goal? Was he in Nazareth just to belt him over the head and drive him away? But in Capernaum, he was nice. No, whenever God's word is preached, whether it's by Jesus or someone else, his goal is always the same. It's never to drive people away. It's always to pull them close to him. Even when God is pointing out your faults and your sins, so that you would let them go and cling to Him. Jesus gives authority to His Word to pull people close to Him. His Word still has that authority today. So when Jesus through me 
preaches that he is the savior of the world that he lived died and rose again so that all of your sins are forgiven those words even though they're from a sinful mouth are holy and powerful they are true and when through me through my sinful mouth Jesus proclaims that your sins are forgiven those words are true and they are powerful because Jesus has forgiven your sins he uses his authority to declare that and he used his life and death to make it true so your sins are forgiven tell that unbelieving part of you to be quiet and get out because Jesus is the savior of the world cling to him hold on to him trust his words of authority so now i want you to think about that person again how did you answer the question if the if i handled the conversation perfectly what would happen i think we would all answer well i'd believe But notice how that question is shaped. If you handle the the conversation perfectly, the person will believe. You're taking authority and power that you don't have. Our role just like Jesus is to proclaim his powerful word. what god does with that word the result that it has in the person's heart and life that's not up to us sometimes we're going to meet nazareth sometimes we're going to meet capernaum but our fear of meeting nazareth should not stop us from confronting unbelief thank god that he confronted it in us and confronts it continually so that we are preserved in our faith but it is now through you that god confronts the unbelief of the world it is your mouth that he uses to proclaim his word be confident that word is powerful that word changes hearts that word creates faith so share it share it boldly because it is a matter of life and death so you very well have a task now to do I dare say you thought of that person because you're connected to them in some way. Just like Jesus was to the people in Nazareth. Find a way to tell them about Jesus. Find a way 
to share your faith so that they too can believe and be with us in heaven. It is our task to confront unbelief. May God grant us a rich measure of His Spirit so that we would not be timid in this goal and task. May He bless the words that we speak so that people believe and are saved. To Him be the glory, now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.